Whether it's your favorite place to play as a child, a comforting provider of shade on a sunny day, or the memorable landmark in your front yard, trees are amazing beings. With over 60,000 species of trees in the world, they have endless amounts of uses and special characteristics. Last week, my family and I headed out to the sugar bush to collect sap from the hundreds of sugar maples growing there. Trees can ground us in nature and remind us of the wonder that something so small can turn into something so strong and mighty. But where else do we see trees in our lives? My stepdad is the proud wearer of a family tree tattoo. Some of us have favorite quotations about trees. And I'm sure many of us, myself included, have some sort of artwork including trees in our homes. It's easy to see why so many authors have also been inspired by trees. Yesterday, March 21st, marked International Day of Forests. So join us today in being grateful for all that trees give us through the power of storybooks. Good morning, everyone. I'm Alison Dijak, and you're listening to Midtown Bookshelf. everyone and you're listening to Midtown Bookshelf on Midtown Radio. My name is Allison Dijak and I'm here with my co-host Serena McDermott. Hello. And Matt Rappolt. Happy Forest Day. <laughs> Hi guys, thanks for joining me today. So usually we broadcast out of the Kitchener Public Library, but today uh, with everything that's going on, we are broadcasting from our own homes. So we're doing a bit of a, a video hangout today, which is exciting. So um, today we are celebrating International Day of Forests. So that was on March 21st, yesterday. And this day aims to raise awareness of the importance of all types of forest around the world. So today we have decided on Midtown Bookshelf to choose books featuring trees or forests in them. Um, so I'm wondering, Serena and Matt, do you guys have a favorite memory of a forest or like any areas with trees that really stick out for you or are special for you? Well, I, for me personally, uh, every springtime, my family goes to our family sugar bush, which is out in Cambridge. And uh, there we have, I think it's about 200 to 300 sugar maples and other different kinds of trees. And we always collect the sap and we make maple syrup every spring. So that's always been really special for me. I've really enjoyed doing that with my family. And not only is it a great way to get out in nature and a great way to uh, you know, be out in, in the fresh air in the springtime, but it's also wonderful to get a chance to hang out with family. And um, it's something that we look forward to every every year. And I know that really like it's not it's not officially spring until we put the the the, the spiles in the trees and we've done our first gather. That's how I measure spring with. So to me, like that is a huge part of my uh, my, my yearly calendar, and I love being out there. Nice, thank you. What about you, Serena? Well, when you asked me about my favorite forest, the one that popped into my mind first was out at the Pinery Provincial Park, not far from here, um, just an hour away. They've got just beautiful pine forests, white pines, red pines, and there's something to me about um, the smell of pine needles like baking under the sun. It just brings up all these um, 
feelings of summertime and just really evokes that sense of summer for me. So that's one of my favorite forests. Nice. I've actually never been to the Pinery, so I'll have to add that that on my list of places to go. Um, And now for me, I think my favorite tree, my favorite forest, sorry, is probably up in Muskoka where I grew up uh, going to and working at summer camp. Um, I grew up going to Cairn Presbyterian Camp in Baysville, Ontario. Um, and the forests there are just, I mean, the whole property is forest basically. And it's just such a beautiful place to be. I have so many great memories, um, being a little kid running through playing like capture the flag and lots of different games there. Um, and then working as a staff member there and being there, um, like in the spring and also in the fall and in the winter as well. So it's always cool to be connected to a forest that you see through all four seasons. I feel like that, um, that makes it really special. Um, I did. I did want to add, Allison, that there was a uh, one of my university courses. Actually, our instructor actually encouraged us. It was, it was part of the course material that we had to go out and we had to make friends with a tree. And <laughs> it awesome. sounds ridiculous to say that, but that is almost exactly what he said. We had to go choose a particular tree in a forest, and we had to go sit with it once a week, and we had to talk with it, and that was part of the course materials. And I actually found that to be quite cool, actually. Nice. Yeah, I love that. I mean, why not? You gotta gotta realize the importance of nature and and what it can do for us. So very cool. Yeah, you're not alone in that, Matt. I think I remember being instructed to literally go out and hug a tree by one of our instructors during the Bachelor of Education program. So Uh, amazing. I I did not have that experience in school, but but I wish I did. (laughs) So there's nothing stopping you now. You can still do that. Nice. So to start off our show today, uh, we have a little song for you. Now, I have to say this is a bit of a biased pick today. Uh, For those of you who don't know, uh, Matt and I are in the band I the Mountain. And um, I just found that we had a song that that fit this theme perfectly. Um, If you go to any of our social media, our bio is always folk inspired or nature inspired folk pop sorry nature inspired folk pop and uh it seems silly but it's it's a way that we just incorporate nature into all of our songs and lyrics uh we just feel that that's really special to us so uh here's our song playing in the forest by i the mountain enjoy Time you're killing all. Take your time. 
Ghost is fun The grass it rots underneath our feet Our own top line Running through the street We bathe her skin, we cut her trees The brittle bar covers up the sea Joey sits down by the barn Waiting for a sign from God Shouldn't have ventured in the forest, my boy The wilderness lies by the shore Away from here the foxes roar Take your time, you kill it all Take your time, no need to run Playing in the forest is fun Break the branch, wooden gun Playing in the forest is fun Take your time, no need to run Playing in the forest is fun Break the branch, wooden gun Playing in the forest is fun Now, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Midtown Bookshelf. My name is Allison Dijak, and we are celebrating today International Day of Forests. So we have brought in three of our favorite picture books that celebrate trees and all of the greatness about them. So Matt, you're first up. What book did you bring for us today? Well, first of all, I do have to be honest because, uh, you know, because the because the libraries are closed I don't actually have this book in front of me <laughs> but my book uh, today is called The Great Kapok Tree and I'm curious have, have either of you heard of that book before Great Kapok Tree no I I know that I have um, for like different like music projects and stuff uh, I've seen it used to make like soundscapes before actually yeah, it's actually so. It, the the book is by Lynn Cherry, um, and it's actually a book that I used last year 
when I was teaching a lot of drama and dance. And it's actually a great book to use for drama and dance activities. It's a great book for music as well because it's, I mean, it's pretty simple. It's, it's very approachable for children. It's very repetitive. It has um, a sort of an element of repeating uh, throughout the story as different animals come in and out of the, of the text. Um, so it makes it really, really easy to use for drama and music activities, which is one of the reasons why I love it. Um, the story is, uh, it's uh, set in the Amazon. The great, uh, the Kapok trees are part of the Amazon forest. And uh, the book was published in 1990. And it's dedicated actually to a, a Brazilian rainforest activist named uh, Chico Mendes, um, who was actually killed in 1988. So the author actually dedicated this book to this rainforest activist. And I think that especially, you know, we've seen a lot of, um, a lot of news stories, a lot of news, news coverage about the Amazon and the need to protect the rainforest. So I think that this book is a very topical book. It's one that's aged really well. Um, and I mean, in addition to being a great story, it's something that you can use to um, to sort of bridge, uh, introduce students and, and children into some of the new stories that are going on. If they're see seeing stories about wildfires uh, in the Amazon or stories about um, settlers burning the Amazon rainforest for homesteads, you can use this book as a way to introduce that concept to them. So I think it's a book that's actually aged really well. Um, it's very approachable too. Um, it features talking animals, mm -hmm. which I think is always great. Nice. Um, the illustrations are gorgeous. Um, actually, I think when I, I was reading, I did a bit of research into this book, and when it first came out, um, it actually got quite mixed reviews. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the people who were reviewing the, the book really loved the illustrations but didn't care so much for the text, which I found interesting. Um, but I do have to say that I agree, the illustrations are absolutely gorgeous. Um, so if you can find a copy at the library, it's a pretty popular book, you should be able to track it down pretty easily. Um, and it has won a couple of awards. Um, and the last thing I like about it, like I said, it is there's a, an element of repetition that happens throughout the text. Mm -hmm. The story is set um, uh, in, so almost it's set in a dream that someone has, and in this dream, different animals come one after uh, another and come talk to this lumberjack um, mm -hmm. in, in his dream. And so each page represents a different animal and therefore it, it makes it a really easy book to, to do for drama activities. What I did for it is I, um, I did almost like a reader's theater um, where each set of students were able were got a different animal that was assigned and it worked really, really well with the students. They really bought into the um, the story and they did a great job with it. So it's nice. a fantastic book. I'd highly recommend it. Thanks. Are we going to get to hear a bit of it today? Yeah. So I, uh, again, I, I wasn't able to actually get the book in person from the library. Mm -hmm. um, however, I do have a, a little selection of text that I found online. Um, so I'm going to read the introduction part of it, the first two pages, and then I'll do just a sample of um, one of the animals talking to the lumberjack. Um, so just to set the stage, um, Takes place in the I think I said this takes place in the Amazon. Features animals coming into the um, uh, uh, the dream that this this lumberjack is having. So here we go. The Great Kapok Tree by Lynn Cherry. Two men walked into the rainforest. Moments before, the forest had been alive with the sounds of squawking birds and howling monkeys. Now all was quiet as the creatures watched the two men and wondered why they had come. The larger man stopped and pointed to a great kapok tree. Then he left. 
The smaller man took the axe he carried and struck the trunk of the tree. Whack! Whack! The sounds of the blows rang through the forest. The wood of the tree was very hard. Chop! 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 The man wiped off the sweat that ran down his face and neck. Whack! Chop! Whack! Chop! Soon the man grew tired. He sat down to rest at the foot of the great kapok tree. Before he knew it, the heat and hum of the forest had lulled him to sleep. And so after that, we, we find the lumberjack is asleep, and in his dreams, he's visited by the animals that live in the kapok tree and call that kapok tree the, their home. And they proceed to tell him all the reasons why he shouldn't be cutting down uh, this beautiful um, tree. So I'm just going to read one animal um, that, that comes from uh, a section of the book. A toucan, a macaw, and a cock of the rock flew down from the canopy. Senor, squawked the toucan, you must not cut down this tree. We have flown over the rainforest and seen what happens once you begin to chop down the trees. Many people settle on the land. They set fires for uh, they set fires to clear the underbrush, and soon the forest disappears. Where once there was life and beauty, only black and smoldering ruins remain. And so that's a sample of. Uh, there's a couple different uh, animals that come in and uh, and visit the the dreams of this lumberjack, including a frog. There's uh, some monkeys that come as well, a jaguar, and so all of the different rainforest animals who make the tree their home. Uh, come and visit uh, visit this lumberjack and try to persuade him not to cut down this tree. And I'm not going to spoil the ending. Oh. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I want like to know what that. happens. <laughs> no, I'm not going to spoil the ending because I know uh, that I want people to go out and check it out. It's a yeah. great book. I really highly recommend it. So, um, yeah, that's The Great Kapok Tree by Lynn Sherry. Wow. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. Do you have any thoughts on that? Or, or Allison, <laughs> if you've seen it before, do you have any... any um, any thoughts in the book? Yeah, I mean, like I've I've heard of it and kind of seen bits and pieces. I honestly I don't remember how it ends. Um, I'm hoping that it ends for the best and the the um, lumberjack takes the advice of the animals. But yeah, I I really like that story. Even just um, it was interesting hearing you read it without looking at it at the same time. It just made me really focus on the words and like the onomatopoeia with the whack whack and chop chop like yeah. that actually made it sound very like I was I was upset as that was happening you know using like the the repetitive um words it's like this is what he's doing and he's just like working away at this tree and chipping away at it um yeah that was actually the way that they wrote it was pretty pretty strong for me I guess it makes um it makes you really invested in the book right away I think because that's that's the opening um and it's like this is the problem and you're you're automatically wanting to find out and read more and see what happens yeah I think that um uh I think that the 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 way that uh the author uses language is really strong in this book mm -hmm. in my opinion and it does actually make it a lot easier for if, if you do use these this book as a drama activity or as like a reader's theater activity. It's a really great use of onomatopoeia, alliteration, mm -hmm. um, imagery. There's lots of great, um, great literary devices being used by the author that you can use um, 
or that you can teach students about with this book. I think it's a great book for that. Mm -hmm. I'm also noticing, Matt, um, you were saying that every animal comes in with their own reason. And so you kind of have this repetition in the book, um, kind of this pattern of the, the author has introduced the problem and then this pattern of different animals coming in with different reasons. Yeah. And I think we've seen that across so many of the books that we've shared on this broadcast about how there's always some sort of introduction and then there's this pattern where something happens repeatedly throughout the book. So I'm just thinking, like for any of our listeners who are at home with kids right now, um, if they have some books like that in their library that they're reading, um, that actually can be a really fun activity because you can share with with the, your child one or two of these repetitions. And then once they get the idea, they can actually, you can have them come up with some on their own. So for this book, um, I've only now heard a, about this one animal, but I might think to myself, what are some other animals and what would their reasons be? So that can be kind of like a fun activity to do with books like this as well. Absolutely, and you can also apply it to so many different situations, right? I mean, that's this this book is set in the Amazon, but of course, deforestation is a huge problem here in North America and here in Canada as well. So you could think about what animals would be coming to persuade a lumberjack here in Canada not to cut down the tree, yeah. and what would their reasons be? So I like that, Serena. That's a great connection. I I also love that they're telling it from the animals' perspective. I feel that um, kids, especially, but just people in general are always able to feel like empathy towards animals and just feel really connected. So I like that they chose that the animals are standing up for their forest. It's not just like, oh, okay, like the, you know, this person, like, um, I guess like an activist is standing up and trying to talk to the lumberjack. I like that the, the animals are the ones that are, that are having a voice there. And that's kind of, I feel like that's, not easy to relate to, I guess, but it just, it makes you think about it and it makes you um, like really try to see things from the animal's perspectives. I really like that. I personally love when authors use talking animals in their stories. Mm -hmm. That Those have been some of my favorite stories uh, growing up. I mean, you have Winnie the Pooh, you have Peter Rabbit. There's so many examples of authors doing uh, using talking animals to help uh, make stories relatable to children. I'm curious, uh, do either of you have a favorite talking animal story or favorite talking <laughs> animal book that you'd like to share? Um, well, maybe the one that comes first, sorry, you're going to hear uh, my daughter in the background here recording from home, but um, the one that comes to mind for me first is the one and only Ivan. Such a great book. Oh, yeah, about, yeah. Um, a gorilla as the main narrator. So that's my recommendation. Mm-hmm. I don't honestly. Winnie the Pooh was what I thought of uh, immediately. Um, I know you mentioned that already, but that's just like I love that all the characters, all the animals, have all their own personalities, and I feel like there's different ways to relate with um, with the different animals there. So I love when animals are given like a really strong character trait that I feel like then kids can kind of connect with, and and adults as well. <laughs> so yeah. I'm going to throw out Paddington Bear as being one of my favorites too. Nice. Um, I love Paddington Bear and I love, and I, I learned what marmalade was from Paddington Bear. <laughs> nice. Awesome. The other one that I was thinking of was uh, Charlotte's Web. Such oh, a classic. Yeah. yeah. That's a great one too. Also yeah. I, I definitely, I love Charlotte's Web. I had to read that to one of my grade three classes actually, and it got me just as emotional reading it to my class <laughs> as it did the first time that I read it. Nice. So Matt, did you uh, did you bring a song for us today that that this book or our theme made you think of? 
I did actually. So, um, so uh, one of my favorite bands is the Good Lovelies, and Allison, we've had a chance to see them mm-hmm. uh, once in Bayfield. It was a great concert. They're wonderful performers, beautiful harmonies. Um, and right now, actually, I guess I think this this tour has been postponed or has been. I don't think it's been canceled yet, but they're uh, they're postponing it sadly. But they were actually on a forest tour where um, they branded it that. And uh, on this tour, uh, $2 of every album that they sold actually went back to plant trees here in Ontario as part of a way of uh, helping to reforest the province and helping to guard against climate change. Um, so, I mean, that's a, that's a great, I mean, a, a fantastic initiative on them. And the song that I've chosen is off their album, Burn the Plan, which is one of my personal favorites. It's got some great lyrics that talk about nature and talk about Uh, you know, springtime and being out in the fresh air. Uh, The song's called Open Windows. Stay with me, still my- 
That was Open Windows by the Good Lovelies. You're listening to Midtown Bookshelf, and today we are celebrating International Day of Forests, which happened yesterday on March 21st. So Serena, what book did you bring with us to bring here to celebrate this day with us? Um, So when you suggested doing this one on forests, the first book that came to mind for me was just a classic um, book about trees. This is from Shel Silverstein, The Giving Tree. Oh, so it's so published back in 1964. Um, like I said, just quite a classic. So I'm going to jump right into sharing it and then we'll have a little time after to discuss. So from Shel Silverstein. Once there was a tree and she loved the little boy. And every day the boy would come and he would gather her leaves and make them into crowns and play king of the forest. He would climb up her trunk and swim from her branches. And when he was tired, he would sleep in her shade. And the boy loved the tree very much and the tree was happy. But time went by and the boy grew older and the tree was often alone. Then one day the boy came to the tree and the tree said, come boy, come and climb up my trunk and swim from my swing from my branches and eat apples and play in my shade and be happy. I am too big to climb and play, said the boy. I want to buy things and have fun. I want some money. Can you give me some money? I'm sorry, said the tree, but I have no money. I have only leaves and apples. Take my apples, boy, and sell them in the city. Then you will have money and you'll be happy. And so the boy climbed up the tree and gathered her apples and carried them away. And the tree was happy. But the boy stayed away for a long time and the tree was sad. And then one day the boy came back and the tree shook with joy. And she said, come boy, come and climb up my trunk and swim from my branches and eat apples and play in my shade and be happy. I am too busy to climb the tree, the boy. I want a house to keep me warm, he said. I want a wife and I want children, and so I need a house. Can you give me a house? I have no house, said the tree. The forest is my house, said the tree. But you may cut off my branches and build a house. Then you will be happy. And so the boy cut off her branches and carried them away to build a house. And the tree was happy. But the boy stayed away for a long time, and the tree was sad. And when he came back, the tree was so happy she could barely speak. Come, boy, she whispered. Come and play. I am too old to play and too sad, said the boy. I want a boat that will take me away from here. Can you give me a boat? Cut down my trunk and make a boat, said the tree. Then you can sail away and be happy. And so the boy cut down her trunk and made a boat and sailed away. And the tree was happy, but not really. And after a long time, the boy came back again. I am sorry, boy, said the tree, but I have nothing left to give you. My apples are gone. My teeth are too weak for apples, said the boy. My branches are gone, said the tree. You cannot swing on them. I am too old to swing on branches said the boy. My trunk is gone, said the tree. You cannot climb. 
I am too tired to climb, said the boy. I am sorry, sighed the tree. I wish that I could give you something, but I have nothing left. I am just an old stump. I am sorry. I don't need very much now, said the boy. Just a quiet place to sit and rest. I am very tired. Well, said the tree, straightening herself up as much as she could. Well, an old stump is good for sitting and resting. Come, boy, sit down and rest. And the tree was happy. The end. Oh, so good. I love that book. Oh, I love it so much. Such good memories. <laughs> yeah. So this book um, was, it, to me, it has kind of an interesting message. Mm-hmm. And I feel like reading it as an adult is a bit different than reading it as a kid. Um, as an adult, to me, I feel like, you know, we humans, we have this desire for more. We're always striving. We always want to acquire or achieve bigger and better And to me, The Giving Tree is kind of like a cautionary tale about that kind of striving. So Mm -hmm. I I was wondering from your perspectives, like, do you see that human striving as a problem or a flaw? And And if you do or whether you do or don't, is there a way that you kind of manage that within yourself, in your own life? Um, I think that, um, like the the idea of humans, human beings striving for more and more and more. I mean, I think that really is at the core of that book, um, and that is something. I mean, I remember the very, very first time I ever heard that story, and um, I think I was, I'm, I must have been five or six years old. I think we might have read it. It might have been a read aloud in class or something, and I almost cried. I remember I was like so emotional with that book because like you just you just want to say like, ah. Oh, Boy, you are like killing this. You are literally killing this tree, um, so that you can have what you need, and you're giving nothing back. Um, and I mean, I, I agree that that book highlights that sort of flaw in the human condition so well. Um, I mean, I think that like we 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 look at like the way that people exist in society and the way we treat our environment, and we we take it for granted. Like we don't always we we take it as sort of like a one-sided relationship that like we can just take as much as we can with no consequences um, from the environment. And that is a huge problem. Like we're seeing that with climate change. We're seeing that um, just in the destruction of natural landscapes, the destruction of forests, the pollution of lakes and oceans. And I mean, it is a huge problem, a global problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, in, in terms of stuff that we're, like that, that we're doing, it's so hard because it's, I mean, it's, it's such an, it's such, such a massive problem that is, I mean, I think, in a, Serena, you, you hit the nail on the head right there. It's like a problem of humanity. You know, hu- human beings, we don't tend to see beyond, you know, the next five years or next year. It's, we're a very immediate, or I, say, I think we're sort of hardwired to see only the sort of immediate um, impacts of our decisions, not the long-term consequences. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's so hard to deal with these problems. But, I mean, in our lives, I mean, Allison and I, when I mean we do we try to do small things we try to do what we can yeah. I mean whether like for example at our church actually um, our church planted a a little forest at the back called Breslau like it's like, we call it like Breslau Forest it's like 
Um, it's like a, it's like 30 trees. It's not that much of a forest. But I mean, it was it was wonderful. It was nice. We did it as a whole congregation. We went out. Um, uh, I think it was a Saturday and Sunday. Went out to plant uh, plant plant trees, and they were just saplings when we planted them. But now, you know, 10 years later, they're actually starting to look kind of like a forest, which is mm -hmm. kind of cool. So small things like that. I mean, you do what you can in your life, and you try to have to be aware of human beings' nature and that desire for more, and, and really fight against it because. We're not human beings. Aren't good at that. Mm -hmm. or aren't good at, at um, withholding that instinct. Yeah, I I feel like that's the biggest thing that we have to try for small things and forgive ourselves for things that we aren't we aren't able to change yet. Um, you know, in this in this book, the boy is just taking and taking and taking. Um, but we don't always know like what else is going on in this character's life, obviously. Um, you know, in our lives, like we, yeah, Matt and I, we try to do a lot of little things, you know, buying locally or trying to reduce the amount of waste that we have or buying things secondhand so that we're, you know, not producing as much, I guess. Um, but, you know, there's still some things in our lives where it's like, yeah, I know that this isn't the best decision, but like we're not at the point where we feel that we can give this up or we're not at the point where we feel like we can like make a swap over to a more like environmentally friendly, um, environmentally friendly choice. Um, and I feel like we have to be be forgiving of ourselves for those things because it's really hard to like shift your entire way of thinking um to just be like no like i don't need any of that and i'm gonna make it work and i will just like live off what i have all the time and you know that that is a tricky thing to do there's certainly steps to take to get there um like living you know trying to get more out of less but um but it's, it's a tricky thing to do yeah i mean i think it sounds like you know, we kind of need to think of this as a reciprocal relationship. Mm -hmm. So we're, we need to not just only take from nature, but also give back, but also be okay about the fact that we are going to take things from nature as well. Like that's, that is part of, you know, the ecosystem is that of course we benefit, but the, the hope is that nature will benefit as well. Um, I wanted to share a, a bit of a story from my time living in Sweden. Mm -hmm. uh, their their attitude towards nature there, I just love. Um, there's there really is a sense of responsibility and reciprocity in people's relationship with nature, and even the fact that I can say that people have a relationship with nature is something unique because I think a lot of people in Canada, particularly if you're living in a city, don't have that relationship, and. Part of it is coming from the way that people are brought up. They're brought up in nature. They go out to forest school. So they have that through their whole life. And I think another part of it is because they are given responsibilities over nature. You have this um, kind of sense of entitlement to nature. Like people can pick berries out in the forest. They can forage for mushrooms. And, and people do. Like everyone there has their favorite berry picking spot. Mm -hmm. um, and you're allowed to camp anywhere that you want, like really free access to the land, like everyone has a right to the land. But with that, people feel that responsibility to take care of the land as well. So I think that's a really beautiful illustration mm -hmm. of that reciprocity. Yeah, I, I always like um, on a lot of like um, provincial park signs or national park signs, they say 
um, what is it? Leave nothing, take nothing. Um, you know, I like that saying that it's just like, you don't need to like leave anything here, be polluting or adding garbage, and you don't need to take anything because the land there is great as it is and it's doing its own thing. So just let it, let it be, you know? But I also think that, I mean, Allison, just to push back a little bit on that, mm -hmm. on that statement though, I also feel like in some ways that that, that mentality of leave nothing, take nothing also sort of perpetuates, um, an idea that human beings, I mean, it, it doesn't, it doesn't encourage that relationship with the land. I mean, it, like Serena said, a, a relationship with the land is not necessarily about leaving it untouched mm -hmm. or not taking anything from it, but it's about understanding that it's okay to take something. Yeah but that you leave enough for the ecosystem to be maintained or it's okay to have an impact on the environment but you need to be mindful about what impact that's going to have in the future not just in the present so mm -hmm. um, I mean I think that in, in terms of the, the, the story um, I think the best the best gift that the giving tree <laughs> gave is the uh, is the lesson in humility because honestly like I every time I read that book I just want to I just want the tree to say like you have given nothing to me, boy. <laughs> You've taken everything, you know, just to get like upset because, you know, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that would be just my, that's just my reaction to it, right? I mean, if someone's taking some, taking everything from you, taking your branches, taking everything, you just mm -hmm. want to say, no, it's enough. You haven't given anything. But I mean, that is so, that is what nature does, right? Nature always provides for us no matter how we treat, um, no matter how we treat her. So, I mean, mm -hmm. that, I guess that's, there's, there's a lot of different, this book is very deep. And yeah. I love how simple it is and how, how, how much you can go into, um, how many different topics and themes you can go into with it. It's a, it's a really is a classic and very deserving of being one of the most well-known children's books. Yeah, mm -hmm. lots of food for thought there. Yeah. So I'll, I guess we'll leave our listeners to consider those points while we move into our next song. Um, I've got a great one from the Great Lakes Swimmers. Those guys are, um, I think they're based out of Toronto now, but originally from Wayne Fleet in the Niagara region. And they've got a great song called Root System. So here it is.
systems by the great lake swimmers so thanks so much uh matt and serena for sharing you your books with us today on midtown bookshelf we are celebrating (laughs) thanks we're celebrating international day of forests so we have been looking at some of our favorite books that highlight trees or forests in some way so um i'm going to share mine now which is our last one And I've pulled up uh, Matt and Serena on video chat as well, so they can take a look at my book throughout. Um, It is a really, really great book. Very, very funny and a favorite of mine. This book is called A Little Stuck, and it's by Oliver Jeffers. So this book, um, honestly, it is about a tree. The the front cover uh, has a big tree on it. Um, And I'm going to say it's kind of shows a more playful side of trees so we'll leave it at that for now this is a little stuck by oliver jeffers floyd got his kite stuck in a tree he threw his shoe to knock it loose stuck he tried a cat stuck So you see now his kite, his cat, and a shoe are all stuck up in this tree. A ladder, stuck. Some paint, stuck. A duck, a chair, a bicycle. A sink, a car, an orangutan. (laughs) <laughs> and this picture of the orangutan is I you you should look up this book afterwards. So little Floyd is carrying this humongous orangutan above his head and the orangutan does not look pleased. Also look at the size of Floyd's legs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> stuck. Like stuck. stuck. Animal that you win in the <laughs> game. You're right. Yeah. So We now see the tree that is completely filled with all of these objects and none of them are working out. So Floyd tried a rhinoceros, a lorry, a ship, a house, a whale, and the fire brigade. But they all got Stuck. 
Then Floyd had an idea. He got a saw. And we see Floyd standing looking at the tree with his saw rested up upon its trunk. And he threw it up in the tree. <laughs> and that was it. The kite came down, but everything else stayed. <laughs> Stuck. And we see night has come and the moon is shining. And all of these objects are all in the tree. And there's a little speech bubble. The fireman that's in there says, Hang on a minute, lads. I've got a great idea. <laughs> the end. Oh, so fun. Yeah. Oh, man, Allison, when, when uh, Floyd was standing next to the tree there with the saw, I was just thinking, no, Floyd, don't do it. I know. Do <laughs> I, I love the surprise ending. I always love it, especially... Like, I mean, reading this to you guys was fun enough for the suspense, but reading it to children, you just know the reaction that they would get as you keep flipping the pages and the objects become like more and more ridiculous and large. And then the saw and you just think, oh, well, of course, he'll just cut the tree down. But then he doesn't. It leaves you with the surprise, which is so, so good. If that had been me reading the book, I would have stopped right there and left it as a cliffhanger ending. <laughs> ah, I'm a big fan of a cliffhanger ending. That would have been good. <laughs> um, now, the, the funny thing that I like about this book is that like all of these objects seem so random. And I, I do, I'm not sure how the author chose each and every one of them. But when I started to think about it a little bit more, I found that I was able to, like I don't know, pull some connections and think about like what he might have meant by any of them. So I'm wondering, did any of these objects like stick out to you? Were they particularly memorable? Or were you able to find any sort of uh, connection or metaphor with them? Well, for sheer outlandishness, I would say the the enormous steamship getting stuck in the tree okay. was probably my favorite. <laughs> yeah. um, the other one that stuck out to me was the ladder because even at that point early in the book you don't kind of realize what the the pattern of this book is that everything mm -hmm. is going to get in the tree so when he grabs the ladder i think oh okay he's going to use the ladder to climb up in the tree but no it uh, ends up in the tree as well yeah so, fun. <laughs> i don't know what about you matt i mean i i, I always like the uh I'm, the, the illustrations are so priceless in there, like the orangutan and the rhinoceros. Mm -hmm. I think I remember, I because I've seen this book before, so I have stared at the picture of the rhinoceros, and it is such a funny drawing of the rhinoceros. It's hilarious. Mm -hmm. And the other one that I like is is Lori, um, because if you're reading that to a class, that's not a word that the students would be familiar with. Yeah. Um, for, I mean, some listeners might not be, even be familiar with that either. For those who might not be, that's the, the British word for like a, a tractor trailer truck. Mm -hmm. yeah, um, like a transport so truck. I, like a transport truck, yeah. So I, I really like that part of it. But the animals, like both the orangutan yeah. and the rhinoceros are, are, <laughs> are great. So I really liked, so the two that um, I tried to kind of search for that metaphor in, I guess, was the ladder and also the fire brigade, brigade sorry, so like the fire department basically. Um, because I feel like, um, you know, the, the overall message in this book can be that sometimes we're looking for that solution and we're trying and trying, but just nothing seems to be working for some reason. 
And I like that he pulled out these things that are like seemingly helpful. Like you would think that if he got the ladder, that should be the right solution. And if he got the fire department to come help him, like that should be the right solution. And, but, but it doesn't work. And I like that sometimes in our lives, you know, we're faced with a problem and we're trying our best to come up with these things. It's like, yeah, obviously this should work. And then we still find ourselves uh, stuck with whatever problem we're dealing with. So I kind of like that he, he did a variety of like some outrageous things that sometimes you're just like, honestly, I don't know how I'm going to solve this put an orangutan in the air, who knows, maybe it'll work. <laughs> but other times it's like, I got the ladder, this should work, and then and then it doesn't turn out the way you want it to. So yeah. Allison, do you have a do you have have you brought in a song that has a uh, a connection to this this book or is it a song that is just outlandish <laughs> like the orangutan yeah so you know I was I was struck by the message overall of this book of just you know dealing with problems and trying to find ways to solve them and still you know remaining positive about it um, <clears throat> so I brought in, in a song by the band called the once uh, they're Canadian they're from the East Coast and um, their music is some of my favorite stuff. Uh, they have beautiful harmonies and some really beautiful instrumentation throughout a lot of their songs. Uh, so I brought uh, one of their more, I would say like motivational songs. Uh, it's called Gonna Get Good. And my favorite line is, is the chorus. It says, uh, it'll never get easy, but baby, it's gonna get good. So I thought that went along really well with a little stuck. So here it is, Gonna Get Good by The Ones. Well, I know that you've been getting tired Cause lately you've not been on fire You're feeling yourself but you're carved out of wood And it'll never get easy but maybe it's gonna get good Jealous, she'll say that you're wrong, but you know that you'll know before summer is gone because it's already dragged on for too long. Cause fellas like you put their sins in a song, and you'll never get all of the things that you could, and it'll never get easy. Get up, cause you're that kind of guy. And 
that was Gonna Get Good by The Once. So thank you everyone for joining us today on Midtown Bookshelf. We were celebrating International Day of Forests with some of our favorite books about trees. We had Matt Rappel share... The Great Kapok Tree by Lynn Cherry. And Serena McDermott shared with us... The Giving Tree by Shel Silverstein. And I shared A Little Stuck by Oliver Jeffers. So, Serena, what are we going to be talking about next week on Midtown Bookshelf? Next week, we're going to have a merry Midtown Bookshelf. We're (laughs) going to share some stories to lift our spirits and just make us happy. Awesome. Sounds great. Well, on behalf of all of us, we want to thank you for joining us this morning and hope you enjoy your Sunday. Take care. Oh,